This is a Curious Line podcast brought to you by ING. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ING podcast here at uh, GoTech World. I am Vlad Andreescu, and now I'm going to talk with a guy who knows a lot about communities and innovation in communities. It's about Vincent Boone, head of innovation at Standing on Giants. Welcome, Vincent. Thank you. Thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me here. Um, thank you very much for coming. First of all, thank you for joining us at the podcast. Let's tell the people who are you and what Standing on Giant does, because I, I read about you and it's fascinating for me. Right. Well, um, who am I? Well, Vincent Boone, obviously. Um, and I mean, really, I've you know, come from the computer games industry. And that's where my background lies. So I'm a games designer by trade. Um, but yeah, basically started within these, uh, you know, computer games companies that I worked for, started running online communities. You know, just something that I thought was fun to do. And eventually turned that into something that was really valuable to the business itself. Um, so I started off with a computer games company that was their very first open beta community. It's something that they'd never done before. Um, you know, so it's a long time ago. You know, online beta communities are pretty standard now. Uh, getting you know uh, random people to test your uh, your product or your games. Uh, back in those days, that was never not done before. So um, so it was a real good challenge to do that. Uh, it was a game called Championship Manager. You might have heard of it if you're a bit of a gamer. Um, and so really, what we did is we started off with uh, you know just like 25 people. Uh, testing out the latest version of you know this this game, and as I was working with them to get them to test and submit bugs, um, we actually started you know getting them involved with a lot more than just purely testing, and eventually that group that started off with 25 people grew to about 20,000 people, um, and these people are creating all of the leagues for the game because it was all about football, right? So they were creating, you know, the newspapers and, you know, there were, you know, obviously with that many people, you had loads and loads and loads of different leagues. And so they all started writing their own newspapers for these different leagues and stuff like that. So it became, you know, really, really big. And it was all created content by these users, right? So absolutely awesome. It became a really, you know, big success. The game went out, did really well. And actually, as of that point, I joined uh, Sony Computer Entertainment. So at that point, I was starting to build the Sony Computer Entertainment's online community, which again didn't exist yet. And so really what we're talking about here is setting up a community which is started off with just a couple of languages. And within about four years, we built it up to cover the whole of Europe, uh, some of Africa um, and you know, a few other, other languages um, across the world covering all of the different games that would be released on the PlayStation 2, on the PlayStation 3, and on the PSP. I stopped before the PlayStation 4 came out. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was really working with the producers of those games and with Sony itself to see what can we do to get customers involved in, you know, well, be that customer service of Sony, all the way through to actually creating weapons or characters for different games that were being released. You are you started with gaming, and nowadays we know that gaming has for different titles very big communities. People are very engaged. They are talking. They are developing. They are basically 
what stands for a community, which is sometimes uh, a very optimistic and positive, sometimes uh, a bit uh, a bit negative. But for for a different brand, going from gaming to to brands from I don't know telco banking and so on and so forth, which do not have that engagement organic engagement you love a game when you when you play but you don't naturally love your telco operator no so <laughs> especially not <laughs> yeah so where do you start when you are thinking of okay let's build a community for a brand what's the basis yeah no exactly so like you know like i was having a pretty good time working for sony computer entertainment right <laughs> where where else would i want to go um but then, uh, you know, like, yeah, this, it was actually a company owned by a big company called Telefonica, uh, which are global all over the world, um, insanely rich. And they were going to set up this completely new telco. I had nothing with mobile phones. It wasn't really an interest of mine. Um, you know, geez, you know, back in those days, uh, you know, the iPhone wasn't even out yet, right? Uh, or just come out, actually. Um, and so for me, you know, coming from the computer games industry, doing some interesting things around community there, but I always felt kind of like blocked within the computer games industry in terms of actually getting, you know, the, the users to do much more than, you know, I was able to do. And so for me, joining GiftCap was really like my opportunity to say, all right, well, cool. If we're going to do this, then I really want to put that online community at the center of the business, right? Let's see what we can do in terms of opening up job functions, right? So if you're working in marketing or you're working in sales or you're working in finance or you're working in development, it doesn't really matter to me. Look at your job and see what aspects of that you could have influence on, right? Or that you don't mind being influenced. And that's where it started. You know, we slowly, you know, uh, grew that quite by quite a lot. But at the start, it was really about finding people within the business. I mean, there were only 14 of us, right? So it was, you know, quite easy to do, you know. But yeah, it was really about finding those opportunities to allow customers in to actually help them do their job. And and that was really the start of it. Now, from there, we started obviously organizing within GiftCap all kinds of programs, right? We started building on the very initial first engagement that we had. And that very initial first engagement is really all about, hi guys, this is who we are. This is our product, right? One, do you like it? Do you not like it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question to ask first, right? And that will already get you some responses, right? And then it's really about how do you deal with those responses? Do you, you know, really start a conversation about it? And, and that's kind of like, again, what we really, really grew. So it wasn't just conversations about, do you like the product? No, it was more around, okay, cool. This is the range of functionality that we have created so far for you. What is it that you're missing, right? What is it that you're not getting from your current provider or from other providers that you have experience with, right? That you would really like to do. And uh, similarly, what have you seen out there in the wider world that you think that's absolutely awesome, right? You guys should be doing that, right? And it's about, you know, starting and creating those discussions and, and really pushing them, right? It's not about just getting someone's feedback. It's about questioning that feedback, right? And, and shedding a different light on it. And, and that's, you know, like, yeah, there's loads of examples around that in terms of what you get out of that. But it really is, if you want to start this off, it's about starting it off small and then building out on that 
to see what more complicated questions can we ask and what more complicated help can we get. And that's then really around looking into your community and saying, right, what are the people in that community? And they come from all walks of life. Some of them are directors of companies and some of them are brilliant at design or coding or whatever it is. And it's about understanding who the people in your community are and seeing whether or not you can motivate them to do any of this work for you. But first of all, you to, to build a community, you need the people. How do you reach the people? Uh, you talked about how you started with the, the beta community for, for, for gaming. That's basically starting from zero and you mentioned that you were like 25 people. So for a bigger business like a telco, uh, how do you start? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, for most businesses, right, if you've got a product that's selling, there's people who are liking it, right? And so really it's about just finding the people who actually like your product and that find your product interesting enough to give you some feedback. Yeah. And it's really about, you know, and you know, most people who are, you know, have a product that they sell, they obviously have a customer database, right? So it's about going out to them and basically saying, hey, we have a place here for you. We'd love to get your input and your feedback about what we're working on. And by the way, here are some examples of the things that we are looking to get some input on. Are you interested in coming over and helping us out? On top of which, what you often get, obviously, certainly if it's a consumer facing brand, um, you know, at the point of sale, right, you, you know, you're, you're selling a lot of these products. And, you know, most often what happens is that the first, you know, week or two that you're using a product, you've got your most amount of questions. And rather than, you know, and most people will find the answer to those questions actually online, right? They will go on Google and they will try and find them. And often they will find them in online communities, right? The, the answer to the questions. However, is it the community from the actual company or is it a random community online, right? And so really, I think that the, the benefits, obviously, of having your own community is the fact that they're not distracted by any, you know, other product or whatever else that they're being talked about. It's not on someone else's platform, it's on yours. Plus you've got an enormous wealth of uh, data to mine as well. You mentioned feedback. And we know from, from uh, the guys who are building products from, I don't know, talking to startups, for example, that they have this problem with feedback. Maybe talking with customers, talking with investors, everyone gives them feedback and you, and you are in a loop, in a continuous loop of, of feedback. How do you basically segment that feedback to develop products and features that are relevant, not just wanted by two, three people? Now, it's, I think for me, you know, the, the, what we've always done around that is that feedback is one thing, right? Feedback is lovely and, uh, you know, yeah, brilliant. Give me as much of that as you can. But that is different from ideas or things that will really help you push your product further, right? And so sometimes feedback leads, leads into that, right? Leads into new ideas. And sometimes people would just come up with completely new ideas right from the start. And what, from a company's perspective, what's super important about any of this feedback is about explaining how you as a company think, right? Like you said, you know, maybe there's only gonna be a couple of people who are using it. Brilliant that you're giving me an idea for a feature. However, it's gonna cost me X amount to develop. And from my base, I can see that the likelihood of, you know, the amount of the percentage of people that are gonna be using that is gonna to be too low versus the cost that it's gonna take me to develop. 
And that is why I'm not interested in doing that, right? And it's similar to, it could not be on brand. Uh, it, you know, it's simply not in line with where you want to go as a company, right? But any of your reasoning, right, is about explaining that reasoning. And once you explain the reasoning, you can become much more granular, right? So even if you do like something, also fine, but you might like an aspect of it. You don't like the whole idea, but you only like an aspect of it. And so it's really about having these conversations with multiple people involved, right? You know, all of the community can be involved in that discussion, but you as a company still set the tone, right? You still say, right, well, that's our direction, right? We really love what you've said here. This is what we would do with it. What do you guys think? Yeah, so it's about drilling down to more granularity to make it something that you can actually do. And, and, and that's really worked very well for us. As I said, yeah, like at, at GiveGaf, we were implementing one idea every three days. Yeah? So in order to do that, then you're really talking about very, very small changes, right? It could be for all I care, it's simply a spelling mistake, right? Um, or it could be to very, very big things, right? And pretty much our whole product portfolio has been, you know, uh, thought up by our customers rather than us, right? So, you know, out of the 90% of product that we sell, it's all, you know, thought up by the, by the com community itself. Walk us through to some campaigns uh, developed by, by Standing on Giants, some example of, examples of good practices from around the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're working with a lot of different companies. And so each community is different. And so what we, you know, have really uh, worked on is getting the companies that we work with to understand why they want a community, right? Often it comes out of a place of, oh, we want some, you know, reduction in cost, uh, cost right? So can we get peer-to-peer -peer help working, right? But for us, it's really about, right, you have a certain product that you're selling or a service that you're selling. And if you want to attach a community to that, what is the purpose of that community? What is it that you as a company want out of that? Yeah, and if it's just pure customer service, the likelihood of that community working is quite low, right? Because these people are going to come to you and they want more than just helping other people out. So, you know, what's the reason for that community's existence and how does that lead into your product or service? That I think is the, is the most important thing that we need to do. Once you've got your purpose, then it's really looking at, all right, well, how do we build an online community or our customers into that purpose? What are the different options that we give them and how do we allow them to influence what we do? So I was talking about examples and I read about uh, um, a community developed by you for uh, an operator, Movistar Argentina. Which is basically, you, you took the Q&A uh, section of, of a website, very important for every telco business, um, and developed into, into a community. But in the first place, how do you make the people, the customers, basically transform their, their mindset from, I am the customer of this company, which takes my money, <laughs> to an engaged citizen? basically inside inside that community and also maintain the positive attitude on the platform because I I suppose every brand wants to have a positive engagement yeah I mean yeah again it depends on the brand right uh, how open they are um, you know in, in the case of Movistar um, it's um, a bit more of a traditional telco 
Um, it, it's, be, it's been the incumbent forever. Um, so it's pretty much the, the only place where people in Argentina can go, right? Uh, yes, there are obviously a few other telcos now, but certainly in the beginning, you know, it has the biggest market share there is. Um, and so what we got was a lot of frustration from customers. So once we, when we started that online community up, what we got is customers coming in and they were trying to get through to customer service or whatever it is, and they just were not getting their issues solved. Now, once we were, you know, once that's on that community and these, these questions come in or these frustrations come out, it's actually, you know, again, understanding these and, and educating people in that community onto how to solve these things, right? Often there will be people that already know, uh, but there will be also be people who you can see are interested in helping out. And it's about asking them, it's like, all right, I can see that you're trying to help out here. Have you got the right information? Yeah, that's similar with a knowledge base where, you know, we as a company or the, 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 um, the company itself has actually created all of these knowledge base articles. But like in any industry, time moves fast, right? And, you know, it, it, like, it's almost impossible to keep a knowledge base up to date in this day and age. And so what we found a lot is that we would get customers in who would point out mistakes that we had in our knowledge base and that these articles needed to be updated, et cetera, et cetera. And so what we then started doing is actually implement a system that we said, oh, you spotted this mistake, off you go. Why don't you just change it? Because you know, right? And you know more about, in this case, a mobile phone, right? Whichever version that is, than I do, right? And there's thousands of the, of the things, right? So it's very difficult to keep up with the latest technology, how they work, the different bugs, et cetera, et cetera. So allowing people who are actually using these devices to update a knowledge base is obviously incredibly valuable. And so, yeah, it really is, you know, the, the original things that you, interactions that you often have is quite often out of frustration, right? Depending on the company, right? You could have a company which is just an awesome product and then everyone comes in super excited. But with the more traditional companies that we work with, it is the first contact is, is quite often frustration. But it's all around, you know, really what they don't expect is people to actually take them seriously. And, you know, because they're used to it being a super huge company that you can shout at and you can go on Twitter and say, like, oh, I hate you guys, right? But that's about it. Right? You don't get much further than that. Whereas we say, well, cool, right? Interested, you know, you hate us, why? Right, tell me why you hate us, right? What, what went wrong? Right? And how would you solve that? So don't just, you know, don't just leave it at the point where it's like, oh, hey, you guys, this is what went wrong. No, okay, cool, I get that, really bad, we'll solve it. However, what could we do to ensure that this doesn't happen again? And it's really around, you know, figuring out, can you get input around that kind of stuff, those types of processes from your customers? And that's helped us, you know, streamline many, many, many different processes simply by asking those simple questions. And people will give you answers. Have you been contacted by companies who, which were basically in the middle of a crisis, of a PR crisis? Our customers not only hate us, but these days we cannot talk about everything because they are pointing out to one subject only. And how do you start when you are in the middle of the crisis? Yeah, I mean, we have. Um, and the reason why they're in this situation is often because uh, it's a lack of trust from the company and it's an unwillingness to open up what went wrong, 
right? So if you as a, as a company you're looking at a process that isn't working right, simply admitting that is already half the battle, right? Admitting processes go wrong and trying to figure out why they're going wrong, right? And with, with your customers saying like, right, well, these are the limitations that we have. How do we go around these limitations? Will will help you solve those types of things. Um, but yeah, it is harder with, with companies who are, you know, it's, it's a lot of convincing from our side to basically get them to open up and to explain where things are going wrong. That's often why there is so much frustration because people are just looking at this dark hole and I don't know what went wrong and I don't know how to get it fixed other than spending hours on the phone and getting pushed from, you know, one level of customer, you know, care to the next level of customer care, um, which is very different from the way we work, where we're actually saying like, all right, cool, we get that there's something's gone wrong, but we are now here to look at how the process can be fixed. It's different, obviously, from a, a singular customer has a singular problem. Uh, that is something that we would, we would still escalate. What do you think, how do you incentivize the, the, the users to engage? It's, it's an organically managed thing or you should give them something. I don't know what, regardless of, of businesses. Yeah, I, again, I think the, there's different tactics to this, right? Motivation uh, comes from you know, different um, personal traits. So it's intrinsic, right? Doing something, helping other people out will, will give you a good feeling, right? So there's a range of that. And there's also external factors as well. You have a range of knowledge uh, that you can share. Uh, you can see that you know, people are, are in need of this information. Um, so that will often motivate people as well to put the information out there because they know it and they like to be the expert in that field. Um, and sorry, I lost it. In terms of the, um, yeah, in terms of other motivation, what we do also do is we have um, rewards programs. But when we do rewards programs, we always make sure that it's a token of appreciation, right? So, for example, we have people spending like 40 hours a week, right, on, on our online communities, coming up with ideas, helping other customers out, creating marketing material, you name it, right? These people are seriously, seriously dedicated. But the whole point of an online community is that, you know, you're not staff. You're doing this because it's something that you really enjoy. But as a company, you also know that it does represent a massive amount of value to you. So what we often say is that, all right, if you want a rewards program and you want to actually reward people, yes, you can, but keep it at a low amount of money. So the maximum that we would give away would be for like a whole month's work, would be like 25 euros, right? So it's really, it's about, look, we understand that what you do is super valuable for us. I hope you understand that we can't pay you full time because that's not how the business works. That's not how the model works. But here's a token of our appreciation. Thank you so much. How many people from, from a company should be involved in this process of managing, developing a community? I mean, you, you come, you do your work, you, you have your strategies, but then afterwards it's the company's business to develop that community over the years. So how many, how many people should be engaged there to oversee basically the community? Um, so for me, um, I think, again, it depends, obviously, on how big the community is, but it also really depends on how big the company is. 
right? So how complicated is the company? Uh, how many facets are there, right? Because what we really want is obviously the, the people that are in decision making, um, you know, levels of decision making. Uh, we need to get them to think about online community, right? So with any kind of program of work that they're thinking of, any campaign that they're thinking of doing, it's about, all right, well, how can you involve communities? So that's hard, right? Getting them to constantly think about that. So you generally would like to have like an owner of the community that preferably sits at board level, right? And that person is, is, is often thinking about, all right, cool, we as a company are going in this direction, which means that the rest of the pillars of the, of, of the business needs to line up to that direction as well. But how do we add in an element of community to all of the different work that needs to be done in these different pillars. Um, so that's really where you're, where you're kind of like at a higher level of some people working than on an actual community side. So the, the people who are managing that community, um, again, there you're really looking at volume growth. And I would say roughly about 5,000 messages, 7,000 messages uh, is, is what one person can kind of deal with, um, you know, pieces of content. Um, but again, uh, we're also really looking at what are the programs of work that you're doing, right? Because if you're doing big programs of work to help with customer service or to help with sales or marketing, um, that takes a lot more time than simply engaging with the community. Nowadays, brands have to deal with, with multiple communities and multiple platforms. We think about communities on, on their website. We think about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, every social media that comes and, uh, and go to the top, you should be there. How do you manage as a company these communities and what, how are they different in, in, in the end? Yeah, I mean, you've obviously got your, you know, community is a very overused word. <laughs> that's, that, that's one, right? So uh, obviously working in this industry, um, we hear community thrown around all the time. And that community could be a group of people that are meeting, you know, uh, uh, offline, right? But it could also mean, uh, you know, just a few people in a Facebook group, right? Or it could mean, you know, everything from Facebook, Instagram to forums, you name it, right? That's their whole community. So it's about, you know, like in our industry, the word community definitely needs to be defined. Um, you know, what is what? Um, However, generally, I'd say in places like Facebook or Instagram or anything where there's a distraction from your own brand, right, which is basically someone else's platform that you've put your, your brand on, um, it's much, much more difficult to engage people, obviously, and to really get into, you know, much more deeper conversations about your product or service. Um, so for me, when you're looking at things like Facebook and Instagram, etc., yeah, you're really, that's more of a marketing activity rather than a business activity. Whereas the online communities which are set up specifically for the brands, um, which are brand owned, uh, there is no distraction. And therefore, the, the way you lay out the information in the community is also completely under your control. Whereas again, you don't have that kind of stuff within you know, any kind of other platform uh, that you don't own. So it means that your customers will always have, you know, be distracted by other information, other brands, uh, as well as uh, it's harder for them to see the things that you think are really important rather than, you know, the brilliant picture that you've just created or your latest marketing campaign. 
which is also important, but it's a different uh, direction that you're taking with that. What are, what are the industries which are the hardest to build in this community-based uh, ecosystem? Um, I think the, the hardest industries are those where a lot of the work is happening offline rather than online. Um, so, you know, moving people who traditionally, you know, enjoy community on an offline basis to online is very, very hard. Uh, they just generally don't seem to find themselves very often, you know, on the internet. So you really have to create a lot more value rather than, okay, all right, yeah, we love your feedback or whatever it is. It really is right. Well, what kind of, you know, product or features do you have online that would really help them manage whatever it is they do in their day-to-day -day lives, right? So, you know, if it is still that offline community, great, but what is it around that offline community that needs to be organized that could actually be happening online quite nicely, yeah? So it's about uh, how do you move the conversation or not even move, but continue the conversation from what's happening offline to an online basis. So the conversation doesn't stop and it continues and then until you get to your next offline event. Do you think that the, that the customers changed in the last few years in their expectations from a company, from a brand? They need more, not just the product, but more communication, more engagement from, from a company. Yeah, I, I, for me, the, the, the change has been really, really you know, easy to see. Um, you know, we really get a lot more people who, I'm trying to say this politically correct, but don't take shit, right, from their companies, right? They're paying their money, right? That's good hard-earned money. And the service that they're getting could be, you know, all right. But it's that kind of like that feeling of like, well, if I'm paying you the money, right, then I also want my voice to be heard. And if you're not going to be listening to my voice, I will take my business somewhere else. Right? I think that that's the really big change, right? People want to feel heard now. And even if they, they are not personally wanting to feel heard, it's they want to see other customers be heard, right? So they don't necessarily want to be involved in a community, right? And 90% of the people that, you know, that buy a product don't want to be involved, right? Because it's not, you know, the thing that really motivates them, right? Maybe with another product, they love that community. But, you know, in this case, you know, maybe a mobile phone or whatever the hell it is. It's more around, okay, you're only going to grab a certain amount of people that are genuinely interested. But the rest of the people do still see that, right? They still look at that and they still see you as a company respond to that. And I think that's what a lot of people are looking at now. How responsive is a company? Do they genuinely, you know, open up and listen to feedback that their customers are giving? And do you have examples of where you've actually can show like, hey, this is what our customer base has said and this is what we've changed. That's, that's the bit that, that's, you know, been getting a, a lot of great attention from customers. And uh, from, from your experience, I want, I want also to go, uh, we talked about some success stories, but what was the hardest task for, for you at Standing on Giants? Um, or maybe, maybe you failed or maybe not, but it was very hard. Um, I mean, the hardest bit is convincing the business, right? So even if, you know, the, the business as a whole or someone within the business has a good feeling about community, right? And I think, yes, this is something that we need. The rest of the company then still needs to get convinced, right? Especially all of the different pillars within that company. So that's really the hardest bit. It's finding 
those small examples that convince them. Yeah, so as an example, uh, in marketing, right? Uh, we struggled, for example, uh, to convince a CMO that, hey, you know, this community can really do something for you, right? This, this can really help you along with your plans of, you know, marketing the product or service. Uh, and, and finding smaller wins in that. So the example I wanted to give you was more around uh, banners, right? So there are simply banners on the internet that promote a product or service. Um, we, together with the company, created uh, a set of five different banners that promoted the product. And the community said, no, we, d we don't think that they're very good, right? We don't like the slogan on them. We, in fact, we don't really like, you know, the design of them either. And so we started that discussion of saying like, all right, well, cool, what's, what, all right, fine, but how would we change this? And so, you know, a little bit of a few iterations further, a good conversation further, they started developing banners themselves. They said, look, you know, these are the slogans we think would work better, right? And I said, oh, cool, well, that's interesting. And then they started actually designing the banners as well. So you ended up with, you know, them also creating sort of like five different banners and we A-B tested them, right? It turns out that three of their banners work way better than ours, right? And so, you know, it's, it's those types of like little examples that you, can, that you can show to a CMO and say, look, it's very small, but it has a massive impact in conversion, right? And it's only by talking to the community that understand our product clearly better than we did, right? In terms of, right, what's the language that resonates with them, right? They're the ones creating it, right? What's the, what's the visual that resonates with them? And so getting them to help you out with that is incredibly valuable. And that's what basically get then the, the, you know, the, the people within the business go like, oh, actually, yeah, I go, okay, I see now what you mean. I can see the value of that. And so it's about uncovering those, those very small kind of like little value adds within, you know, within development or like I said, sales or marketing, doesn't really matter. But it's, it's, that's what convinces them. And it's often smaller things that will lead on to, yes, much bigger projects where you really can start, you know, tracking value. I think in the mind of every marketing director from a company, it's, it's that question, how do I measure this? I'm building a community, but how do I measure the results in business? How do you measure? A range of different measurements, obviously. Uh, so we look at call deflection, right? So how many calls do we, do we get? Uh, how many you know, uh, calls did we expect? Um, and you can do this, you can measure this through exit surveys. You can measure this through, obviously, with GiftCap, it was relatively easy to measure because we had all the other telco data from all the other telcos that they had. Um, but yeah, so we look at churn, uh, increased spend, uh, NPS, um, you know, customer satisfaction index. Uh, so yes, you know, we're, we're really looking at all of the different metrics, but for each company, we do have to look at it and say like, right, well, how are we going to track this, right? What is it that the community needs to do in order for us to be able to track X, Y, Z? So yes, you know, it really is again down to that purpose. What is it that you want to, you know, get out of that community? If you figure that out, then you can also measure whether or not it has an impact. And as a journalist, I have to ask at the end of, of this podcast, I'm, I, 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 I saw that some of, of the biggest websites, uh, media websites in the world, they are getting rid of community. Maybe they are moving to Facebook or just Twitter. Uh, but on the website, it's just the article, the videos, the audios, but no comments, everything, because they haven't managed to control that community. And it's a very negative community. 
How do you see that? Um, well, I mean, I can understand it. Uh, I think, you know, one of the main reasons why it doesn't really work very well is that it's not a discussion. It's a comment, right? So you're writing an article and not only is that article written in a way that it's a statement, right? To which you can only receive statements, right? You've already gone out there and said, this is the way the world works. You're not asking a question. You're not asking any opinions. You've given an opinion, right? So what can you expect back? Opinions, right? And because these sites or these newspapers or whatever, traditionally have never put any input into engaging with their customers, right? All they did was just let them comment and then moderate the hell out of it, right? When they say something bad, which means there's no uh, accountability for these people. And they've never ever spoken to someone from that newspaper or whatever it is, right? All they just do is just, you know, spout whatever it is that they feel. And it's never by the company said like, all right, cool, but this is not how we work here, right? This is not the kind of, you know, uh, yeah, statements that we want, right? Um, so it's about really pushing that as a conversation rather than as a comment that I think would make a change. Vincent, thank you very much for, for our conversation. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you very much for listening to our ING podcast here at GoTech World. We're going to be back with um, more interviews with the most interesting experts here at GoTech World. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.